0: witty thought-provoking and uplifting southern soul Livestream is a program that you'll invite your friends over to watch every week where you'll learn about interesting guests and get to share in their fascinating experiences tune in each thursday evening at 8 p.m eastern to connect with guests from across the generations and to laugh with our eclectic host who are as charming as they are talented and now ladies and gentlemen here's our host calvin let me tell you guys tonight. We have Miss Nona Austin King. What's up, lady? How you doing?
1: Hey, how are you? How you doing, Calvin? Thank you for
0: great, having me. Great, great, great. I'm good. I'm good. I'm so excited for you to be here, man. Because you know. Too. I remember, you know, even when I kind of heard about you, right, you know, one of the alums called me they're like, you got to get known on the show. She's doing a thing. She's awesome. You know, she's so, you know, she she does this, but then she does that. And I was like, OK. So I like felt my responsibility was to track you down and talk to you about the future of work and career. Welcome. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. I really love I just really enjoyed that um, that game that you just played. I was like, I don't type fast. So I wasn't even going to try but y'all were good. Was
0: that Tracy and who was the other person? Tracy and Shanika, yeah, they Shanika. are the all time yeah. champions. I love it. So I much love so it. that we created a championship round for them because they it. are hardcore. But let it. me just read um, I got a quick summary of your bio just to give people a backdrop of who you are. And then, you know, yeah. we're going to hear from you, right? Yeah. So, known Austin King is a career growth strategist and global marketing leader who coaches professionals to learn practical career planning and job search skills. She has a very, very meaningful quote. I'm gonna read it for y'all. I know how hard it can be for black and brown professionals to land their dream roles. I've experienced rejection, microaggression, racism, and sexism throughout my career. I've always felt like I had to work twice as hard to prove myself. But my career was totally catapulted to the next level when I finally understood my value and stayed true to my passion. Nona King celebrates life as a wife and mother of two and resides in Houston, Texas. If you want to get more, you can go to www.careercatalystgrp.com. Welcome, Nona.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Calvin. Thank you.
0: So tell us about you. Tell us about your origin story. I call it original. I can't even say it right now. Origin story. Where you grew up and some essential things about you.
1: Yes. Okay. So I uh, was born and raised um, on the south side of Chicago. Um, I'm the oldest of four girls um, raised by two loving parents who um, education was very, very important. But probably even more important was that they poured into us um, the value of understanding who we are, um, speaking our truth, following our passions. And I think that strong foundation helped me to get a full scholarship at Vanderbilt. I majored in music performance. And yes, music performance. And I went straight through from undergraduate school to graduate school to pursue an mba and so i didn't have full-time work experience so that was fine so i successfully graduated got my mba in two years and i found myself without a job upon graduation um probably looking back it was probably because i did not have full-time work experience i did not know how to communicate my value to hiring managers i did not have a network who could advocate on my behalf. Like I didn't know anybody, didn't know anybody in corporate, et cetera. And my background in music was very different from like marketing or brand manager track. So under the suggestion of my father, he actually recommended that I start my own marketing consulting business to gain the skills that people say that I lacked. And so I did that for a couple of years and it was was fun, I mean, it was good. The, the the problem was that my bills were more consistent than my income. So I went right back into the job search more mode. But this time I focused on how to translate my skills in such a way that it would be easy for hiring managers to see that I could actually do the work, that I could actually do the job. And to make a long story short, it took me five years to finally get into the career path that I was interested in, in in brand management between getting my MBA and landing my role. And, you know, I moved up the corporate ladder to senior level executive positions, but something was missing. I didn't really know what, but something was missing. So I think there was a huge pivot year for a lot of us in 2020 and 2020 was when that light shined brighter about the social and the racial injustices that are happening in our community. It was discussed in the media, it was discussed among my colleagues, and it forced me to relook at my journey as a black woman, trying to get into corporate, trying to navigate in my career, trying to grow my career. And so on top of that, that was also the same year that my company that I was working for um there was a, a a man that I brought into the organization I promoted him he became my peer and then he became my manager that was a huge slap in my face when I helped build that organization so what I ended up doing um I had to like relook at my accomplishments I had to remind myself about the strengths that I had, the skills that I had, Um, went through this process of writing down my values and what I like. And um, this whole self-assessment process helped me to rediscover or remind myself that although I love marketing, I have passion around growing people because at a minimum, Everybody wants to grow. And everything that was going on in 2020, the the challenges that I had as a Black woman trying to get into corporate and trying to navigate, there's so many other people that are still going through this. And so I decided to leave Corporate America in November 2020 and started my career coaching business. And I really focus on helping professionals of color because a lot of times we don't have access to the information on how to plan out our careers. We don't know how to mm, effectively job search, and we don't know how to leverage and build networks, which is so critical. And so that's what I've been doing since November.
0: Awesome. Awesome. OMG. You know, anybody who knows me, I love a testimony, right? Mm -hmm. I love a story. And in your story, it is so, so powerful because I like the way you talk about, Hey, you know, there's 2020 and it's before, but after a while, it's like you begin to own it. And I, I just, I just felt that moment. It's like, I'm owning this thing. Right. Absolutely. And it's almost like I'm feeling this whole transformation happen. Yes. And, and it just, it's just, it's, it's, exciting to me, but it's also excites me because I happen to know a lot of people are going through what you experience. And Absolutely. the reason I know is I talk to people and when I talk to people, they tell me their stories. They tell me they struggles, and OMG, oh, that moment where that person that you brought into the organization,
1: mm-hmm. a man, mm-hmm. is a then promoted
0: mm-hmm. above you?
1: <laughs> yes. Nothing that, oh, that matters. Yeah.
0: I'm glad you were somewhere close to somebody's church because I can only imagine what you were experiencing. But, you know, I'm pretty sure that this learned a lot. Now, tell me about you know, some of the coaching you do, right? Because, you know, you coach and you meet with different people. You know, where do you find people when you run into them? Do you discover that they're struggling? They know they're fighting. What what do you discover?
1: So a lot of people um, come to me, like I want to say 80, 85% of the people that come to me, um, they are struggling. Mm. They don't know the next step in their career, or they've been Applying to roles and they haven't gotten an interview, or they've gotten a lot of interviews and they've not landed the role, and they're questioning their abilities. They're um, they know and they recognize that they're underpaid, and they're starting to believe the narrative that people have said to them, and so they're they're just wanting a change. They don't know what else to do, right? Um, and so, what I do, what I. Yes, I go through the you know the, the services to help them um, if they don't really know their direction, what, what's next for them. We go through this whole career mapping and vision process and um, help them to improve their online presence by first developing a brand pitch, which is so important because it's your story. It says who you are, what you've done, the value that you add, the you know what makes you tick why you're best at what you do and you use that information to start sharing with others during your interviews a little bit on your resume a long form you put on your your LinkedIn profile but helping them identify their transferable skills identify their accomplishments and package it and communicate it in such a way that people recruiters and hiring managers are interested in them being in their organization. Right. That yeah. that's the most important, but I will say this, the thing that I was most surprised about, or I have been most surprised about is going through this process. It's not just about landing a role. It is helping people to build that self-confidence again, elevating their mindset and, really just rediscovering the excellence that's already inside of them. There is no magic pill. It's already inside of you. So...
0: You know, uh, I, I yeah. get excited because another thing I heard about your story is that when you talk about, hey, I was doing this career in marketing, but then all of a sudden, when I started looking at my story, I discovered that I had a passion for growing people. So I have to believe that that passion for growing people is a part of your, you know, pitch and story, but I can imagine before you did that work, you didn't know that. Right. It's almost like, you know, um, marketing was important, but I would love to kind of hear about your story. You know, that whole my career is marketing, but my passion is this.
1: Yeah. You know what? Honestly, I always knew I like to help people grow. I've always uh-huh. I'll tell you this. Let me. I'll tell you this one story um, when I was at Coca-Cola. I was an individual contributor, so I did not have any direct reports. And a lot of times, I, I was I was very active in a um, one of their ERGs. It was a women's group uh, called Women's Link, and I was I think I was the co-president of the organization of our chapter. And I would bring in these, you know, different speakers, and I would you know speak and present, and you know, I love to I love to talk to folks, and um, My manager at the time, she goes, Nona, you just light up when you talk about people. She said, you know, have you ever thought about a career as an HR manager? And I said, when you've had trouble at your workplace, do you go to HR first or do you go to your manager? I said, we need more people, people managers that want to help people grow on this side of the business. Right. So I always knew that I always wanted to help people. I would always give my little two cents, my advice, because I do believe because I like there was one point in my career. I was working in one company. I'm not going to say the name of the company, but um, in three and a half years, I had seven different managers. And there's a lot of people that don't know how to people manage to help them, hmm. encourage them and to help them to develop and to help them to get where. They are. Right. And so I've learned through trial and error, you know, learning from good people as well as people, not so good people. (laughs) And, but this is what I've always wanted. That's what I always did in terms of marketing. I was exposed to it and I enjoyed it and I got it. I had great opportunities and traveled and met some great people and learned a lot. And it was great. But honestly, developing people, is not that different from marketing. Like oh. in I'll tell I'll tell you one. So marketing at, at the very basic level, you identify a target audience, you invest money to build that brand to get people to know who you are and you feel a service. You add a value to your customer so that they come back and you build your business. Same thing with career coaching and developing people. Well, you, as a, as a person that is looking to land a role, you know who your target audience is. It may be you know, a certain company or a certain role that you're interested in getting to. They have a problem that they need solving. That problem is written in the form of a job description. Mm-hmm. You need to show the value that you add to the organization, right? And you are better than everyone else based on your requirements, your values, and your passions. And so what I really do is I try to get people to first start with what are their requirements? What are their values? What are their strengths? What are they like? What are their accomplishments? What is their vision for themselves? And then we look for companies and roles that are worthy to be on their list.
0: I love it. Because
1: we have the choice always.
0: Yes. You know, I I, I love that position because, I mean, you said it, right? A major thing is that you have to rebuild the person to some extent, right? They started believing that narrative, right? Whatever it is, right?
1: Yes. And
0: rebuilding that person to that narrative and getting them to understand they are the prize, as they say. Absolutely. And When when we begin to say we are the prize, that's a whole different position. Yes. So let's talk about the future of work, right? I mean, you're doing this work, you 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 have lived experiences, awesome lived experience. Thank you for being transparent with that. Yeah. What are some trends? What are some thoughts that you are thinking about when it comes to the future of career management? What we what should we be expecting? What should we be thinking about? You know, at no matter if we're close to retiring, we're just getting started, or we just trying to maintain. What That's should good. we be expecting?
1: That's good. So um, I've been I've been thinking about this, the, this future of work. Um, basically, the term future of work is you're changing the way businesses run based on technological advances, based on maybe generational changes, maybe social shifts. But the reality is the future of career management, the future of work is right now. Right, So the pandemic accelerated the, the this you know need that people are like, you know what? I'm looking to looking for a remote job. There are so many people that have come to me they're like, okay, remote is the most important thing to me because they know that it it, it can happen. There's a lot of white collar uh, professionals that get this this opportunity. But one piece of the techn- technological advances, we have this automation and AI, the trend is that jobs that um, are repetitive, predictable, maybe analyzing data, those are the roles that could turn into automation. But here's the problem with this. There's more black and brown people in the workforce that that would impact. And so when you say what to look for in the future is we need to find a way to help people with the you know more of the cognitive skills, the um logical reasoning, the creativity, the um being able to collaborate. Though a, a robot's not gonna be able to do that. And so reskilling, giving people opportunities, and I believe that a lot of us a lot of us have the skills needed in the future but we just need to be able to identify that in a story how have you as an example like see these are some of the skills that i have i've come across like i've looked at hundreds of job descriptions and yes they ask for certain technical skills but a across the board, across roles and industries, they're looking for strategic thinking, an analytical mindset. They're looking for someone that works well with others. They're looking for um, um, driving business improvements, right? Adding value, um, being adaptable, the uh, being a human, like being able to be open and transparent and communicate. Like these are, and you know, this logical reasoning is so important. And that's what we need to start you know helping people and so that's what I do in my in my way is help identify skills that are sought by hiring managers across the board and helping people to showcase those skills so that it is transferable so that they can land the roles that re- that meet their requirements
0: awesome awesome you know I, I i love what you're saying it's true it's a little scary but at the same time it's doable right I mean, Absolutely. you know, if, if what I hear what you're saying is that if it's repetitive and a computer can do it, once again, let's screw it on a boat, that's something that they're going to most likely, you know, replace humans with computers for. But if it's something that requires some sort of thinking, yes. problem solving, yes. you know, conversation, like you say, being human, conversation with a human being to say, okay, what's really going on, Yes. then that's where, and it's almost like it's people skills. But it, like you said, the future is now because I've literally been hearing these things for probably about two decades. Yes. But like you said, the, the, the pandemic, you know, it, it kind of accelerated these things, right? Where it's like, hey, it's happening, it's happening. Then all of a sudden now. Yes. So, so that's really cool. So, so, so thank you for sharing that. And um, we're going to talk a little bit more about that with Alex later yes. because she has a different role as an yes. HR exec. And I'm definitely yeah. curious at her perspective of the same question. Now, as a career coach, I got some questions. These are questions that came from the audience and participants. Cause whenever I get okay. ready for the show, I kind of okay. talk to people. I'm like, Hey, what do y'all want to hear? And no. y'all Calvin didn't create these questions. They came from y'all. Yeah. I did say y'all I'm from Texas. So um, <laughs> w- we, we call good. like swagger where I'm from. know. Yeah, so <laughs> what are some differences that you're seeing as a coach when it comes to coaching the different generations, and this is based on the premise of four generations in the workplace, you know, do you see any challenges with younger, mid, you know, career individuals or, you know, um, people who are rounding up their career? What are some of the challenges you see as a coach when it comes to engaging different generations? Let's say four generations in the workplace.
1: Um, So... Let me first talk to you about from a coaching standpoint. So I coach people from college all the way to 20 plus years of experience. And I assume that younger professionals are having um, less confidence because they don't have as much experience. But that's not the case. They are eager. They are interested in, um, the, 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 the sky's the limit for them. And so they are open to um, finding opportunities that allow them to you know, leverage their skills and build on their skills. I've noticed that there's nothing different from having zero years of experience all the way to 20 plus Because both of the all of the generations, the people that I work with, they're having a challenge, whatever challenge it might be, they're applying and they're not getting the role, they're interviewing, not getting the job, they're being passed over for promotions, they're um they've been told a story that they are not good enough and they're starting to believe it, and their imposter syndrome. This goes across generations. So from a coaching standpoint. Everybody is pretty much the same. Um, younger professionals, it takes them a little longer to develop their brand pitch, but that is pretty much it.
0: Awesome. And just
1: with some support, that's it. But if you're asking, and, and I'd be very curious to see what Alex says about this, but from my experience, um, the last company where I worked, uh, I all of my direct reports represented all of the generations in the workplace. And... I report, I had uh two baby boomers reporting to me. I'm a Gen X. They had no problem reporting to me. It was a great relationship because I focused on how what are what are your goals? What are your strengths? How do we leverage them? How how do we close gaps? How do I support you to grow? I find that the generational challenges that happen is because there's lack of communication to anyone. And for the older uh, people in the workforce, if they are resistant to change or they don't want these young people in, it's because they are starting from a space of uh, where they're not happy where they are. And it took them a very long time to get where they are and they how do you how are you gonna come in here and make these changes. However, if you've been intentional about growing your 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 career and you positioned yourself and you've leveraged your network and you see the value that you add and you know what's next for you and you know what you need to do to get to the next step, somebody else younger than you, less experienced, is not gonna is not going to bother you. So it really depends on a combination of organization and how they communicate, how they motivate people, how they help grow their people. Um so that that's my perspective.
0: Thanks for sharing that. Uh, I actually love your response. Um because it's definitely something that I believe in personally, like this this personal development. Yes. And I love what you said. You're like, "Hey, these issues wouldn't be there if people knew what was next, right?" Yes. But without communication, people don't know what's next. So it's natural for them to have a perspective of scarcity. Yes, It's natural for them to be a little you know, apprehensive. Yes. So I like your response with you. development of your people and growing your people, right? Yes. Then these problems are less likely to exist. Yes. Um. I love the statement. And I, I themed the show based on the statement you made. And I just love it. Going from being undervalued to over demand it. OMG. I love it. I love it. I love it. Right. Because that's that whole, you know, reframing this This is whole reclaiming, you know, getting rid of those narratives. Right. Yeah. What are your thoughts based on experience and coaching? How does one go from being undervalued to over demanded?
1: That's a very good question. You know what? It starts with you, it starts with your mindset. I
0: told
1: you my story. I've had other uh challenging stories. Um I don't know how much time I I don't I'm almost out of time I think. No. But so I'm oh, going to be you,
0: you got time. I got
1: you. Okay. I'll, I'll be really really quick. So mm-hmm. um I there's a four step process to starting from being undervalued to being over demanded in demand deciding where you want to go. Mm-hmm. First, what I said when I shared my story with you, I said that I went through this process a self-assessment writing down my strengths i wrote down like a hundred strengths and skills that i had it was hard but i did it i wrote down my accomplishments i identified what my values are i looked at what what's important to me what is what do i want to do like i when i started writing that list i immediately started building my own confidence in myself again in fact i started rediscovering parts of myself that i had almost forgotten. A lot of times, and I I encourage you guys to do that once a year at least because we are always following someone. Okay, we got a performance objective. How how, am I meeting those objectives? And and we go along life like that. But if you take a step back, you have got a lot of accomplishments. So the first thing is self-assessment, S for self-assessment. Then if you identify where you want to go. So for me, I wanted to pivot from marketing To career coaching. So, what I did was, I went to workshops. I um, got my training. I did some pro bono work to test out my process to make sure that it was good and was getting results. That's education. You can go to school for that. You can, you know, how do you close the gap? E for education, S E, okay? R, Mm -mm -mm. you can, R is for relationships. Please do not snooze on the power of networking. Because when you are able to build that network and you're able to leverage your network and you're able to figure out how to service back your network, that's when they're gonna start advocating on your behalf. And that network has helped me build my business, right? Beyond just working with somebody. Okay. And so that was R. And P is once you is persistence. So once you identified what you want to, um, you know, do, you know, you've self-assessed, you've closed your gaps, you, you know, leverage your network, you're building your network, you're servicing your network. Don't give up. That's how you do it. That's how you do it.
0: Awesome. S E R P. I love it. (laughs) I love it. Love it. So we got one last question for you and we're going to transition right to Alex, but you know, Based on your perspective, I'm going to ask Alex this question too. With all that's going on, and there's been so much going on in the workplace, do you consider to be a buyer's market, right, where it's employee, you know, benefit, you know, employees can just say and do whatever they want, or an employer's market, right? Who are setting the rules of engagement based on today? What are your thoughts about that?
1: Calvin, to be honest with you, I don't pay attention to that, and I don't Mm -hmm. encourage anyone else to. When I was single, living in Chicago, hanging out, people would always say, oh, there's so many women. There's more women than men. There's so you know, women than men. I'd go up into the club. All I saw were men because all I was focusing on was where were the men? And that's all I saw. So what you look for, you find. So that's why I say it's so important to understand what your requirements are first. And then you start looking for what is worthy to be on my list and you will find it. Also, Sorry, I
0: didn't answer your question. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hey, all answer is an answer. And I dig it, right? So, you know, I, I, I love what you're saying. And now I can see, why. Wow, you know, classmate was telling me you got to talk to Nona. You have the passion. You have your purpose. You have all of these things aligned. And I can tell you love what you do. Is tell, good. tell people how they can connect with you. I think you are offering a 20 minute consultation, right? Yes. So you're drop that yes. In the chat. Um, tell people uh, yes. how they can connect with you and what they um, should expect.
1: Yes. So um, yes. Any one of you can sign up for a free 20 minute uh, consultation um, on my website, careercatalystgroup.com. So it's C-A-R-E-E-R, careercatalyst, C-A-T-A-L-Y-S-T, and then grp.com. And you go on that website, um, you can go all the way at the bottom and you can request a one-on-one, um, consultation with me. And I think I was offering something else.
0: Um, yeah. Um, Tamika, what else was she offering? <laughs> I was offering I, something I, else to you guys. I, I, I sent her the email. She's going to look at it and, um, she's going to drop it in the chat. So, yes. um, stay tuned to the chat. I know it's in that email, um, that you sent over to me. Yes.
1: but um, I just totally forgot.
0: Yeah, me too. I remember the 20 But, I, but we, I really we hope you
1: guys reach out to me because I really want to help. I really want to help you go from where you are to your next.
0: Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Nona. Now, if you have Thank time, you. feel free to kind of hang out and listen to what Miss Alex is going to talk about because what I would love to do is bring you back. And both of us, both of you all, begin to do some Q&A. And for the audience, you know, we have different run of shows, but in this run of show, it's a great time now to start putting your questions in the chat. You can put your questions in the chat now. Nona's going to be watching and I'm pretty sure she's going to be ready to connect with you guys. Free 20 minutes, it don't get no better than that. As you can say, sister girl is ready to talk about your life, your career, and it don't matter what you tell her, what you didn't experience, you can tell she has experienced it also. Miss Alec Smith. What's up, lady? How are you doing? Hello. Yes, I can hear you. Yes, How are you doing? Excellent.
2: Good evening. It's wonderful oh. to be here. Good evening. Oh,
0: OMG. What did you think about Miss Nona? I mean, Sister got a story, right?
2: Yes. Thank you, Miss Nona. I loved her story, love the tidbits, uh, especially the focus around networking and understanding your strengths. I, I, I definitely believe that as well. So. Uh, wonderful, good nuggets there in your conversation with
0: her Awesome. Well, I'm really l- looking forward to, you know, when I bring together various, you know, speakers, there's always a networking opportunity, right? I find these themes. So I definitely want you and Nona to connect because some of the work you're doing and the things like that, I know there's going to be some synergies, but I want to kind of read a snippet of your bio, and then I would love to hear from you of so what's going on down in Memphis, because it seems like you're having a good time in your career. I've seen you in magazines and all over the place. I mean, you're doing your thing, and I'm excited about that. But let me read a few things. Alex Smith currently serves as the Chief Human Resources Officer for the City of Memphis. She is a visionary and architect behind the city's talent management training, employee relations, compensation, benefits, and diversity initiatives. As a senior leadership team member, she is also the chief change officer focused on evolving the city of Memphis culture to enable the mayor's mission to position the city as the model 21st century city. Alex has been quoted saying, I help leaders make cultural changes that may seem impossible a reality. She holds a bachelor's degree from Duke University in economics and a master's degree in human resources and industrial relations from the University of Minnesota. She currently lives in Memphis. She also is CEO of Smith Human Capital Management Group, a boutique HR management firm focused on helping individuals, businesses, and nonprofits. For more information, you can contact with Alex at www.consultalexsmith.com. Welcome, Alex Smith. Hello. Awesome. Well, tell the people a little bit about you. Tell us about your origin story, where you grew up, and some essential information about you.
2: Absolutely. So my story starts in Gary, Indiana. That's where I'm from. I am the granddaughter of a successful politician, business owner in Gary, uh, and the, the true product of what does it mean to make your life to public service uh, and helping others. My background really started when I went off uh, to undergrad uh, and started my career uh, at Duke University. Um, But what was most poignant about that was when I decided to go and become an economics major, my thought at the time was that I was going to be a stockbroker on Wall Street. That was my focus. And um, I've literally been trading stocks since I was 10 years old and had an obsession around understanding equity markets. And uh, when I finally got the opportunity when I was an undergrad to actually go to Wall Street, I realized that wasn't what I wanted to do with my life at all. And so I had this interesting period of my life where I um, didn't know where I wanted to go because I knew I didn't want to actually be on Wall Street. Um, but I knew that I had student loans and I needed to have a job. And, uh, and so... Uh, one thing that I always cared about going back to my background was around public service. And so uh, the summer before I graduated from college, I worked as director of a small nonprofit. And there I discovered the love of HR. Uh, And uh, in that role, I had to hire, recruit uh, volunteers, and I had to help people in the community uh, with uh, getting services and uh, finding jobs. And um, after talking with a few uh, mentors, I I discovered that uh, HR was a career path that, that could be something very fruitful for me. And so I applied to different graduate programs and ultimately got into the University of Minnesota. Uh, And uh, one of the things that was great about that is they had a a special program called Carlson Volunteer Consultants where you could um, essentially be managing partner, in in my case, of a uh, internal volunteer consulting house helping nonprofits in the community. And so I quickly was able to see this blend of service to others And in the community, but also service uh, to others through HR and recognizing that the function plays this critical role in uh, the care and feeding of employees and also helping the organization be able to find and manage the right talent to accomplish its goals. And so from there, uh, after graduating from the University of Minnesota, I went on to Microsoft uh, and worked there for a number of years and had the pleasure of actually serving as a worldwide chairperson of their Blacks at Microsoft Employee Resource Group. And that's where I got a chance to understand the the challenge around recruiting and retaining African-American talent in particular uh, for corporations. And after that experience, Got a chance to go on into HR management roles with Target and Brightstar. And now I am head of HR for the city of Memphis, leading an HR division um, that has a budget around $120 million, uh, have a team of over 100, uh, and we serve over 8,000 employees. And of course, Memphis being the city that it is, um, there's just been a bedrock of of really fantastic work um, to do here in the city and helping our citizens with the number of challenges that they have. Um, and so, you know, really my my career origins related to service, and serving not only in the corporate atmosphere, but also serving in the public service atmosphere as well.
0: Awesome, awesome. That is a awesome summary. You know, I have a colleague who spent some time at Microsoft, and he's often talking about the Blacks at Microsoft you know, group and how, and like, I'll be having awesome speakers and, you know, and all kinds of awesome stuff. And he's, and he's never been that person that's so involved. He's involved at Microsoft, especially with that group. So I know you've done some cool work. Well, I want to kind of jump in because you've actually, in talking to you, you gave me all kinds of things to think about when it comes to the future of work. You've talked about, you know, so with, I want to make this a two part question, you know, In thinking about the future of work and career, you guys are doing a lot of awesome things in Memphis. I can tell you guys are leading, right, pioneering some of these things. But you also talked about what you call the new employee contract. Tell us about the future of work and the new employee contract. What does all that mean?
2: Absolutely. So I think that, you know, when many of us were growing up or even when we talked to our parents, they uh, gave us this whole adage about okay, well, you're gonna go to college, get a job, and you know work for company for 25 years, retire, um, and there was this whole sense of having this long-term employment relationship with uh, an organization of some sort, and you know you you do your time and you're able to to retire and move on uh, with your life. But nowadays it, it is very different. I think uh, the pandemic even accelerated this. There was already a notion of what they call the gig economy before then. Um, But now I think it's even more true where, you know, people see career opportunities purely for what they are, opportunities for their personal growth and development. uh, Companies are starting to see it that way as well, uh, where it's not expected that you go and you stay at a company for 25 plus years. Um, It's expected that you go and you uh, serve a purpose, serve a role, uh, and you may have a certain stint. um, And that could be, you know, two years or it could you know, be 10 years, but the, the notion that you stay there forever um, is, is starting to really change. And so that means that the way you have to think about your career is different, that your career ends up being a number of different opportunities, and it ends up being something that you really own is of your design versus, I think, in the past, people really expected the company to take care of them, the company to chart out their career path. I think there's now this notion that you, as an individual, are an independent agent, and you can determine what your career path looks like, and chart that out, and you can design it the way that you want. So whether that you want to spend, you know, a, some time in public sector, some time in private sector, some time uh, in certain cities, international, uh, you can really design your career and your experience is the way you want. And so I think that's the new contract. That's the the future of work now. Uh, This idea that people can um, move and be very transient, that they can work from home or work in hybrid environments, uh, that they can uh, be in an independent contracting space, or they can also be a full-time employee, um, but they have flexibility to decide how they want to work and when they want to work.
0: Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. You know, You know, it's interesting to hear that from you because, you know, with me personally, I've always kind of been that trendsetter. You know, you know, I've always did things other people didn't do. I was in high school. I did pole vault. And before then, I was an orchestra. I played the, you know, bass. Whatever everybody else was doing, I was doing the opposite. Right. It was in my DNA. But it's interesting now to see, like you said, you know, the pandemic accelerates this thing where now everybody is expected to, as you say, own your destiny and your journey. And it's so cool because it really connects to what Nona was telling us. Right. We got to own these things. Right. And we kind of have to really figure about it. So thanks for sharing that. Another thing you said that really made me think is you said, you know, and I like this statement. You said when it comes to this new employee contract, this new relationship with employees, it's kind of like a marriage. Right. Do you recall that statement? What did you mean by that?
2: I do. So what I was referring to is that there's now a a courting process that's happening um, between individuals and the employer. And what I mean by that is that, you know, the interview process is an opportunity for both the employee and the employer to get to know each other. No different than really dating, you know, where it's not necessarily a commitment, but it is a process where you're getting to know each other and decide whether or not it's a good fit. And then once you know the employer says, "Yeah, I think this is a good fit for the job that I have. Um, and they make an offer. then, as an as a potential employee, you make the decision of do I want to commit? And then if you make that decision that you want to commit, now you're in a committed relationship. and so you have to manage it. And so similar to a marriage, There is this idea of a two-way communication. There's an idea around working through issues. There's a responsibility really for both parties to help manage the relationship. It doesn't just flourish on its own. Uh, It requires both parties to work at it. And Anyone who's been married uh, or is currently married will tell you marriage takes work, Uh, that you can't just expect it to uh, flourish just on its own. You have to really put effort in on both sides. And so uh, the employer-employee relationship I think is very similar. In that way, uh, and being able to have those conversations and work through those issues, uh, and also chart a course of together in terms of what that looks like. Um, and of course, you know, at times you could decide that maybe it's not a good fit. Maybe you thought it was going to be a, a you know a good fit for you, and things have changed. You've grown in a certain way, or th- things are different, um, and it's it's not for you. And you have the the ability to say, you know, what this is this is not the right fit for me as well. So I think sometimes people, when they look at employer employee relationships, they see it as this um, one-sided relationship where the employer has all the power. And I think what I would submit to you, and and Nona said this as well, is that, no, you have power too. You're not a, a victim of circumstance in this situation. You have power as well. And you make a choice when you decide to accept that offer. You also make a choice every day when you come to work. And so people should embrace that power. Uh, and also embrace their voice in terms of talking with their their employer, their manager, their supervisor about uh, what's going on, what they need, um, and really see it as a two-way relationship.
0: I love that example, um, a two-way relationship, because now I'm thinking about it. That means that the recruiters or, you know, the agents, what they call it, the headhunters, they're kind of like the matchmakers, right? You know, and, you know, they get paid on it, so they're going to match you up and be like, hey, y'all want a date And, you know, I I jokingly tell people, sometimes you got to realize that company is a little crazy. You may not want to date them, but, you know, that's just my own, you know, dry humor. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, you got a thought?
2: Well, and I was like, Calvin, I think that's another point too, right? That just like in, in the world of dating, you know, everyone has different values, different things that are important, different ways of working. And so, you know, you knowing what your values are and what's important to you, uh, is important in the process, but you also want to know and understand what are the values and what's important to the company that you're entertaining and courting. And so, you know, if you get to a place where you realize that the values don't match up, that's that's a red flag. And you and you should be concerned about that. If you, you know, care a lot about volunteerism and serving the community and you get in the interview process and they tell you they don't care about volunteering or serving in the community, that's a big red flag if that's something that's really important to you. And so I think being honest with yourself about what are the experiences you want to have, uh, what's the, the the important values that you want to live by and how, what you want to work, uh, work towards uh, and making sure you're matching yourself up with the organization that feels the same way. I think that's really important.
0: Awesome. You know, I can also see, I can see a book on this topic. I'm thinking there's a book in the making, right, of you writing this relationship dating model for corporations and the future work. I'm just going to claim it. Let's talk about this. I know you said something is that, you know, with all of these changes that are happening, and I love this because, you know, I'm an IT person, right? But do you what's happening when it comes to, you know, the HR, you know, professionals? Do you feel they are ready for these changes? Do you feel like, you know, things are changing, right? This new engagement model is different. The new relationship is different. How do you feel like the HR professionals are faring? Are they ready? Are they, are they catching up? They're ahead of the curve? What are your thoughts on that?
2: I think you know many HR professionals are are challenged by this, you know, because the the pandemic has changed, particularly changed the way that you have to think about recruiting. So first of all, you know, we're now in a very tight labor market where you're seeing slightly higher turnover rates in your organization, so you're having to recruit uh, more frequently and, and at a higher volume. So the workload is increasing, and then secondly. Um, the way that people are finding out about your opportunities and the way they want to engage with you is changing. So understanding you know, how these different social media platforms work and making sure that you're representing the brand and honestly becoming more like brand managers and uh, thinking about reputational risk and brand for the organization as you're trying to um, recruit and and get people excited and interested about your opportunities, that is a new skill set. So long ago, you know, HR people, you know, particularly for certain hot industries, you could post your job somewhere, get tons and tons of applications, and you could just literally, you know, pick the top five, interview, and you'll be done. Today is not the case. You could post something, you may not get any applications, and so now you have to go source for talent. Um, You could you know, post something and you don't necessarily get the candidates you're looking for. So now you find that you're having to promote and advertise your role in a different type of way using Instagram and, and TikTok, et cetera, um, things that you may not have ever had to use before. So there there is an interesting challenge now of people getting very creative and thinking differently, um, building their marketing skill set uh, when before they didn't necessarily have to do that. Uh, so it is It is a unique time to
0: be in HR. Well, thank you for sharing that. Thank you. So this question I asked Nona about four generations in a workplace, and I know you could speak on this lightly at a distance, but I wanted to give you a chance. You know, as my the audience kind of submitted these questions, you know, they were curious, you know, about things such as older employees transitioning work to younger employees. They were curious about, hey, you know, Are the generations who've been working longer, are they more resistant to change? You know, one of my struggles, right, is this trend I see, gamification of work, I'll call it, where it's like work is a game and there's points like a video game. It's like it's too much for me. I'm like, hey, I know how to work. I don't need any points and stars to do my job, right? So that's my struggle, right, because, you know, it happens to the best of us. But – what are you seeing? You know, when it, when it comes to well, not personally, but just what is your observation of four generation in the workplace? Do you see it changing, evolving? Do you see any challenges? Do you see everybody's excited about the future of work? What what are you noticing?
2: Yeah, so I, I definitely see some challenges there, and um, you know, we, we actually teach a class um, uh, to deal with this multi generational workforce, uh, and and we had to create this class. Uh, because we were seeing these interesting challenges of, uh, first of all, around communication uh, and uh, expectations of work. So you have, you know, some people from one generation where, you know, it's expected, hey, I come at eight, you know, I leave at five. I work until the job is done. uh, You know, I don't necessarily do a lot of social things with people, et cetera. Uh, and then we have this newer generation that's coming in and say, "No, I want to volunteer. I want to, you know, have my social time. Uh, I want to leave at five as well, but I want to have flexibility where I can, you know, work from home on Fridays and other things. And and so just the the ability to understand that you can have different ways of working and it can still be successful and it can still be productive. Uh, and and creating an environment to have those conversations. So that communication, I think, is one one challenge um, and just recognizing the diversity of thought around, um, around work. The second thing is around career expectations. So you can have, you know, some of the, I'll call it older generations, where there's more of an expectation of, hey, you put your time in and then you earn your ability to get promoted. Whereas uh, there's, a, a I think, a different notion from a younger generation of, hey, you know, I got XYZ results, I should be promoted. Uh, and I don't care if I've only been here six months. In um, fact, I think I should be VP within five years. Um, and uh, the, the, this older generation doesn't understand that, this idea that you you don't wait your turn. Uh, so, you know, having those conversations as well and trying to set reasonable expectations around what do what does promotion and growth look like. Uh, and also, it's forcing, I think, I can tell you from an HR standpoint, us thinking even more creatively about things like job shadowing, stretch assignments, mentorships, uh, cross-team uh, cross projects, cross-functional things, um, to be able to accommodate that as well, while also recognizing that um, there is a need for there to always be a clear process for promotion. So, you know, there, there are some definitely some unique challenges, um, but nothing that we can uh, work through and overcome with with uh, more communication, more training, more support, and, and also just being innovative. Um, but the first step, of course, is recognizing that these challenges do exist.
0: Awesome. You know, I, I love that. I don't envy you because that sounds like a whole lot. You know, when you said the different communication styles, that was a more than enough for me. But I, I like the fact that you guys got ahead of it and you started teaching a class on it. I also like the fact that you've embraced the creativity, right? You said, "Oh, we need to think about this thing very differently." I've I've kind of heard before that the newer generations had different expectations, but I didn't know what it was. But you kind of describe it as you know, one is more earned. I served my time, and the other one is more results-oriented, right? You know, I did the results, and those are two strong arguments, right? And which one is right? I typically tell people what do you do when it's a yes and yes or a right and right situation. So kudos to you guys for figuring that out. Now, I love this question. I got two questions for you. And before the audience, this is a good time for you to be getting ready for your thoughts and the questions you have for Nona. You can put it in the chat. Um, and then the questions you also have for Alex, put it in the chat. And we're going to bring Katie back and we're going to have some discussion. But um, Nona coined this phrase and I really loved it. And she kind of talked about going from being undervalued to over-demand it. And from where your perspective and where you sit, I'm pretty sure you kinda see these nuances, right? You see the people who uh, unfortunately had this situation and you see the other people who are just knocking it out of the park. What are your thoughts or recommendations or advice for the audience if they're in that place and they feel like they're undervalued and they really wanna figure out how to get to that place of being over-demanded? What are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, I think the first thing honestly is understanding what the other party values. So there's one component which I agree with Nona. So understanding your strengths and understanding what you bring to the table. But I think in a very important point is also understanding the business that you're in and understanding what the business needs and what, they're, what they value. And it's no different than in marriage. It's one thing for you to um, know your strengths. It's another thing for you to understand what your partner needs as well, and one thing that can be very frustrating in a relationship is if your partner really needs um, a food, and, is, and what you're providing is um, you know a gift card. That that's a mismatch. <laughs> you you want to make sure you understand what your what your partner really needs, and in this case, what the business really needs. If your if your business is struggling to drive for revenue then being creative about how to help them drive for revenue is where you want to be, not, you know, coming up with different regulatory things that's going to not help them with driving revenue. So I think understanding what the key things are that people need and then playing to that in whatever way that you can that makes sense um, based on your function. Understanding the business is, is critical. And I think that's what a lot of people miss out is that they focus so much on themselves that they forget that there's this other party that really needs help and they have goals and they have strategies that they're trying to realize and make happen. And if you don't recognize that and you don't understand that you can't really bring value to them the way that they really need it. And so the players that really end up in that situation being over demanded are the ones who are able to quickly assess what somebody else needs and they meet that need.
0: Awesome response. You know, you remind me of, you know, many years ago, I'm working at IB, I'm big corporate and, you know, and I, I enjoyed this experience, but I, I love it because it kind of parallels the story that you tell. And they had this thing where if you got a certain rating, let's say a C minus, right? And you get two C minuses, is not good, because I mean, you're gonna get fired. But you get a C minus and you want to, you know, um, what do they call it, debate it or, you know, go appeal and challenge, it. It, appeal it, right? So you go to this almost like a court, you know, environment and you bring in, you know, your documentation of why you deserve a B plus or whatever and your manager comes in. And I remember going to this and in some kind of way I got on this committee multiple times, but one time it was a little different. The manager came in with these big stack of manila folder and she had every piece of documentation that this person was doing. The employee who was challenging it, she had all of her witnesses and they all came and said, "Hey, I'm, she's doing a great job. She's a great employee. She works hard. She works hard. she's worked hard. She's awesome. She's awesome, but the manager's over here with her stack of papers, and the stack. And what the, ma- the manager says, "Hey, I don't have any beef with this particular person." I'm paraphrasing. She says, "But what this paperwork shows is that this is the work I needed her to do." Those people over there who giving her kudos, she was doing other stuff, right? And it hit me multiple times if I was in this situation, the employee was focused on what they thought was important. And the manager in the company had another list of things that they considered important. So it's not that it wasn't hard work doing because there was a lot of hard work happening. The difference is the hard work that was expected was over here. The hard work that was being done was over here. So I love your example is like in that relationship, you got to understand what's expected or needed because you can be real busy over there, but they really need you over here. Alex, tell me about your consulting services and some of the services you offer. I know you do speaking engagements, you do magazine spotlights and stuff like this. Tell us about what you do. How can people find you? How can people connect with you? And what are some of the services you offer?
2: So first of all, I'm committed to service and I really just love helping people. And I have a heart uh, for particularly helping small businesses and nonprofits. Um, So I built a consulting business helping those who, you know, really can't afford to have really big HR organizations because they're small, uh, but still need HR support. Uh, So I have a a small consulting business to do that. Um, And you can go to consultalexsmith.com to learn more about that. Uh, I also love sharing my my knowledge and insights to help um, those in growing their careers and thinking through uh, career planning, and so I offer a speaking engagements and and just talks um, for people around career development, as well as uh, particularly for HR teams and talking through uh, change management, culture change and HR transformation. Uh, and I help with that as well.
0: Awesome. Awesome. You guys heard it here first. You can go at Consult Alex. Um, what is it? i make sure I get it. It's
2: alexsmith.com.
0: ConsultAlexSmith.com. Let's see here. We're gonna bring KD back. We're gonna bring Miss Nona back. OMG. Katie, what do you think? What do you think about the speakers tonight? I don't know. I feel like I'm ready. I feel like I'm ready to work for the next 20, 30 years. Y'all ain't told me nothing. I'm going to be digital. I'm going to do all the stuff to gamify my work because do not be giving me no credits and points and stars because I can't do that part and I don't like Slack. I'm putting that out there too, Alex. Do not be having no people do Slack. I'm just, well, I'm sorry. I'm on a tangent. What are you even Katie, talking about? <laughs> I got issues, right? <laughs> Uh, I, I'm that can... person, by the way. Y'all already know. Like, he's the opinionated one. Katie, what you got for us?
3: <laughs> let me ask these ladies some questions and let you take a deep breath, okay? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> let me start first with Ms. King. First of all, thank you to both of you for being with us tonight. I'm just absolutely amazing. And you can see in the chat that thank people you. have just been thrilled with what it is that you've shared with us tonight. So, thank wow. you to both of you. Um, the first question I'll direct to Ms Nona, and yes. that is, um what is the best way to craft your brand pitch that's coming from Betty Q? Yes, so I'll say it's slower
1: than what I said um earlier. So the brand pitch that I have people develop, it's a fill in the blank, but it's not an easy process. Um so in the fit, in the pitch, You write down who you are, what you do, the accomplishment, like you identify your unique strengths. You identify um, an accomplishment that validates those strengths that you've identified. You identify a problem, either in the industry or a company that you're interested in working for. Or the type of company, I won't say specific company, because everyone has a problem that they need solving. So you identify the problem, and then what is, how, do, how are you qualified to fix that problem? And then you determine and say what you, you know, why you're the best at what you do. So perfect. If you contact me and have this consultation, I can talk to you further
3: than that. that that's a good use of anybody's 20 minutes isn't
0: it i love it i love it
3: it really is um here's another question for either uh, for either of you ladies or both of you um if you could this is this is really um we're going existential here okay, okay. if you could change one decision you've made in your life what would it be uh-oh yeah hmm I'll let
1: Alexandria say <laughs> I have an answer, but I, I, I'll, i go ahead.
3: She didn't
2: just lob it to you. She spiked it to <laughs> you. Okay, Alex. <laughs> uh, so first of all, I have no regrets in my life. Um, you know, the, every choice and decision I've made has led to where I am today. Um, and I am a, a successful mother with two beautiful babies. Um, and, uh, and I thank God for all of that. Uh, the one thing I would say is that there are times when I wish I had um, either four hands or, or an extra person <laughs> um, because I'm, you know, being a working mom, uh, especially during the pandemic, um, I wish I could spend a little bit more time with my babies. Um, and instead of writing that PowerPoint or that policy, uh, I wish I could sit and watch Bluey and, <laughs> and, um, and bake cookies. And so I think sometimes as a mom, you you have that duality of um having to to be mom and and be executive and and trying to to handle both. And some days you feel like you're not doing either one of them very well. Mm-hmm. Um and so there are times where I wish I had a, just a little bit more help. Um, but you know what, we make it work. I think as particularly as working moms, we we do what we have to do. So
3: absolutely. Thank, Thank you. you. What about you, Nana? Yes.
1: So uh, when I moved to Houston, I was in my mid thirties from Chicago. And um, that was the first time that I experienced sexism and racism or microaggression, right? I'm gonna tell you a specific example. And it's going to, it's gonna, I'm gonna help explain what I regret. So um, I, had just come back from maternity leave, with, from you know, with my having my first child, and I don't know other mothers like going back to work. You talk about major imposter syndrome, where you, I, for me, I didn't know if I could be a mother and work at the same time. I don't, I didn't know how people could do it.
3: Well, anyway,
1: the first day I got back to, to to work, my manager said, "You know what? Being a mother is like wonderful." He said, but I racked up hundreds of thousands of airline miles, and I'm not doing it again. So you might consider moving from your current role to an innovation role where you don't have to travel. And the man posted my current role on a job board, an online job board. What I regret is that I didn't go to HR. That I didn't tell anybody. That I I didn't, I was so focused on keeping my job and I questioned my abilities. And so yes, the the times that I've regretted things is that I did not use my voice and I didn't know my value.
3: Mm -hmm. That's powerful. That is really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I've got a question for Alex. How important is employee recognition? And especially with your employees in the city of Memphis.
2: I would have to say employee recognition is extremely important. Um, The ability to um, share with employees when they're doing something right and to, to recognize them whether it's through spot bonuses or through your uh, annual bonus or ovation uh, recognition programs, all of that matters. At the end of the day, people wanna know um, that you are paying attention to them, that you care about them and that what they do matters. And so that conversation with managers, supervisors, with their employees is very important. Um, and at the City of we've made a, a ton of investments around that. So we have a, a spot bonus program. We have an annual program called Ovation Awards We have a performance review process, uh, and we always seek to um, leverage our executives to to acknowledge employees when they're doing uh, great things uh, for the citizens of Memphis uh, or for each other. Uh, But it is a continuous thing. Uh, You can't just do it um, periodically. You have to do it constantly and uh, taking the opportunity to recognize others. Uh, So it really is a cultural thing, but it's so important in building the right type of culture.
3: Sure. And you mentioned a spot bonus. Can you tell us what that is?
2: So a spot bonus is, uh, and there are several um, companies that have something like this, where when uh, a manager or even a a peer or another employee uh, sees that someone is doing something really well, um, or they take on a big project or or accomplish something really great for the organization, they're able to write up a quick memo uh, recognizing them. And then uh, in our case, we pay $250 for uh, anyone that's submitted um, once it's approved. By their director, you know, to make sure you got the budget, et cetera, to do that. But um, the the idea behind it is, you know, when somebody's doing something right, to to acknowledge it and to to give them a, a an incentive to recognize it.
3: See, and I hear you. You're saying two hundred fifty dollars, so it doesn't have to break the organization, but just the acknowledgement itself is is helpful and powerful. Absolutely. Thank you so much. How can you blend the different generations and cultures? What are some best practices that, that you see around that?
2: So for blending cult, for blending generations, and I would say the same thing around having diverse teams as well, we found that project work is the best way to do that. So having cross-functional projects where, you know, it's a, it's a big initiative for the whole organization and you have people from different functions, um, different walks of life that are part of that team working towards that goal together is a great way to help people, first of all, communicate and get to understand that value of having that diversity on the team. So I'm a big proponent of cross-projects, cross-team projects. Cross team projects. Um, I also am a big proponent of uh, stretch assignments, where uh, one of the things that I'll do often in my divisions, is I'll take somebody that's a strong performer and Put them over in another area for you know six months and let them try something different um, and and have them bring that that insight and skill set um and vantage point to a different team um and and i found that those people who are willing to step out of their comfort zone and go try something different uh, or even be able to take a stretch assignment for a few hours a week they grow so so much and tremendously and the team benefits so much from hearing that other perspective so that's another great way to expand your culture
0: as well awesome awesome you know i think one more question for nona and, and wrap us up um Go ahead and answer that question. I want to just give these ladies they they thank you they flowers. Go ahead. Um okay. One more Certainly. question for another.
3: Um I, I gotta say that Alex gave me hives when she said uh, a group projects because I I, I saw her trauma from like high school doing group projects <laughs> with slack <laughs> people. I was like I, I, really really we gotta do group projects, Alex.
2: <laughs> but
0: let me tell actually, you,
3: there
2: is nothing better. Projects. There is nothing better than um, so you know one of our projects was we wanted to um move to a cloud-based system. And when we had everybody across our organization working on that project. And we finally launched the celebration that we were able to have to say, hey, we all work together to make this happen across multiple teams. There is nothing better than that. And honestly, the pandemic showed that as well. We had people from all walks of life. Um, our HR team took on contact tracing, we had people in vaccination centers and all kinds of things. And when we were able to say no, our vaccination rate was able to go up to 60% and beyond. That was a big deal. So you know, there's a lot of shared wins that can happen when you do that. I know we all have these painful memories from high school and maybe college, but th- there is some benefit from sure. a team feeling like they're winning together, and especially when it's across the organization.
0: Amen. Okay. Amen. Can I? I had like one? Can I go ahead? To that,
1: just to piggyback on what she just said. The importance of being able to collaborate. Yes, we're global. <laughs> you know, we're global. We have to collaborate. So we got to get used to working on projects
3: together because it's only going to help us in the end.
1: <laughs>
0: I, I, I love collaboration. Any any last questions, for Nona?
3: Yeah, well, um, I got one last one. Yeah. Um, thinking about retirees returning to the job market, any advice that you give to retirees at all? Um, I think, again, just thinking about like
1: career vision planning. Like what do you think you want to do next? And identifying... You know, after you've identified what your strengths are, identifying what the requirements that they're looking for and determining what companies, you know, fit your requirements, Mm -hmm. what you want to do next. You can do it. And a lot of companies would be happy to hire you because you've got great experience.
0: I love it. I love it. I love it. Katie, OMG, what do you think? About, I'm telling you, AK showed up tonight. I'm telling you, I'm about to go buy me some pearls. I'm telling you, I'm going to show and prove. Because y'all know I'm jealous. I feel like I'm missing out. I need me some pearls or something. Because it's something about pearls. I think it just does something to your excellence. I just want to say thank you to Miss mm-hmm. Nona Austin King for bringing it tonight straight out of Texas. And Alex Smith, thank you. Thank you for being you, for really blessing us and helping us understand. I've, I've rarely seen someone in your role that is as transparent as you. Yeah. And I love what you say about the relationship, the two-way communication. And I can tell that the city of Memphis is blessed to have you. Because you're not having these people out there wondering, guess what's happening? You letting people know you got training. You, y'all in the y'all Memphis in the cloud, y'all. I, I heard it tonight. They in the cloud. So you know y'all doing your thing. So just thank you for being here tonight.
3: Thank you for joining us at Southern Soul Livestream Talk Show. Join us weekly at SoulLivestream.com. If you're joining us live, we'll take a quick music break and then come back for a discussion with the audience.